Father God, we quiet our hearts before you uh, this morning. Uh, we give you thanks uh, for Jesus, your perfect son, uh, who came to this earth to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death, to be buried and to be raised to life so that we might have life in him. Uh, God, we give you thanks that you are our firm foundation in a world that oftentimes seems unsettled and uncertain. God, you are immovable. Uh, you are strong and you are mighty. You, you are our firm foundation and we give you thanks. Uh, Lord, this morning as your people, we come and gather and we worship you. God, we give you thanks for you. I pray that you might be honored and glorified this morning. I pray that the name of Jesus would be lifted up and exalted. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Church family, you may have a seat. I do want to encourage you, if you are on the outside of the rows, if you could scoot to the center. I know we have uh, some guests in the back that are looking for a place to sit. I know you're probably thinking, we got here first. Why do we have to move? This is an opportunity for you to be like Jesus, scoot over a couple feet, and then just give people the stink eye who are sitting in your old seat. Uh, typically, this is... Uh, you know, the time on Sunday morning when we would dismiss our kids, kindergarten through fifth grade, to CP kids. Uh, but today is a little different. We have special guests with us. Our kids are going to be in the service with us, which I just got to be honest with you, makes me a little nervous, right? But kids will shoot straight with you. If you are not doing well, if things are going sideways, they will let you know. Just last week, uh, I had a great privilege and honor of speaking to a number of elementary kids, kindergarten through fifth grade at Hope Academy, and I was honored to be there. I was talking to the kids about the power of God, and I, I had a captive audience. Typically, I'll go and I'll share a little seven to ten minute devotion, and then I'll do something fun and memorable at the end of that time to amp up the kids and then send them back to their teachers. I am like the grandparent who gives the kids Mountain Dew and candy bars and says, go to your classes now, kids. I was preaching my little heart out. I told the kids, listen, I'm going to talk about the power of God, and then I'm going to see how many marshmallows I can stuff in my mouth at the same time. It's a little game called Chubby Bunny. And so sure enough, I was standing before the kids, preaching, teaching my little heart out. And about five to six minutes into my talk, this sweet little kindergartner in the front row, she raises her hand high up in the air. And I just knew that the Spirit was working on her. And I, I knew that God was doing a good work in her. She was hearing me talk about the power of God seen in creation and in God's miracles. And I, I'm sure she just wanted to share the good work that God was doing. And so she raised her hand high up in the sky. And I made the mistake then of actually calling on her. And I said, yes, little girl. And she said, when are you going to stuff your mouth with marshmallows? So listen, if things go sideways this morning, I know that the kids are checking out. I know they're going to start raising their hands and asking when I'm going to stuff my mouth with marshmallows. And so I'm going to be on task today. We're going to keep it, it brief-ish. We're going to try to make sure the kids are tracking. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We have been walking through the Gospel of John for the last seven or eight years. 
We're going to push pause. We're going to push pause. We're going to come back to John chapter 12 next week. But this morning, I want us to think together about the character of God. I want us to think about what is God like. And specifically, I want us to think together about a God who does not change. Uh, God does not change. I have to tell you, I have a love-hate relationship with change. There are certain things uh, that I experience that I love to see change take place. I'm a big fan when the seasons change. How many people here love fall? Show of hands. Yeah, you love fall. How many people here are a little more refined and say, hey, we call it autumn in our house? Right? A couple of you. Shame on you. It's fall. It's fall. I love, I love fall. I love the changing of the colors. Uh, I love when it cools down a little bit and I can go to my closet and pull out my favorite flannel and one of the 17 vests that I have and throw it on and get all warm. I love, the, I love college football in the fall. It is, like as a Michigan fan, it is a sign. It is a sign of things to come. I don't even mind winter. I love, I love winter. How many people here love winter? Anyone? Anyone? A couple people. How many people here love winter, but you're actually from somewhere south of, say, Virginia, West Virginia? Anyone? Okay, because that doesn't count. It's not real winter. Okay, I love, I love the spring. I love waking up in the morning that first day, walking outside, and you can feel the warmth. I love seeing the flowers sprout, the grass growing. I love mowing my lawn every two to three business days in the spring. I, I, I even am a fan of the summer. I, I love the long summer days. I love feeling for about three to four months like we're living on the face of the sun. I love breaking a sweat from my front door to my car. Like I, lo I love the long days. I, I, I love certain changes. Uh, but there are other changes in life that I'm not a big fan of. I have not been a big fan of aging. Some of you might be thinking, oh, please, <laughs> you're not even getting started. You're a young buck. But I don't always feel that way. I mean, there's times where I play tennis now and someone hits the ball back at me and I just look at it and I go, nope. Mm -mm. I make business decisions not to run for it. I think 20 years ago, maybe, but not today. There are times when I start uh, being able to tell the weather based on how my, my bones feel in the morning, particularly my left knee. I'm like, rain's coming. Like, I just, I just feel it. I've lost a step. Sometimes I have conversations with people, and I'm thinking to myself, name, name, name. What's their name? There's a Rolodex going on in my mind. because I'm trying to remember something that I've forgotten. I'm not a big fan. This year, my oldest son went away to college. And I, I've missed his presence in our home. I have a love-hate relationship with certain things in life. And yet I realize that we live in a world that is constantly changing. It's constantly changing. You cannot avoid it. Change is everywhere. Change is everywhere. And in a world of constant change, God remains the same. God remains the same. He does not change. God's personhood does not change. Who God is never changes. People change. 
People change. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, People may grow in kindness or grow in grace or in mercy or patience or wisdom or knowledge or not. People can grow uh, more ornery or cantankerous or difficult uh, to be around. Age is not a magic elixir in life. We, We should change. We're not finished products. We're moldable, and we need to change. Uh, But it is not so with God. A God is a finished product. Nobody gives God a performance review at the end of the year and notes opportunities for growth. Uh, No one has to give him smart applications and tell him a few areas that he needs to work on. The great theologian J.I. Packer writes, A kind, uh, equitable person may turn bitter and crotchety. A person of goodwill may grow cynical and callous. But nothing of this sort happens to the Creator. He never becomes less truthful or merciful or just or good than he used to be. The character of God is today and always will be exactly what it was in Bible times. And so what was God's character like in Bible times? Exodus chapter 34 tells us about the character of God. Verse 5 of Exodus 34 reads, The Lord, uh, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Now, that is our God. James chapter 1, verse 17 reads, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. If you could picture a person standing outside in the blazing sun uh, as it moves or as the earth moves, the shadow changes. And James is reminding the church, he's reminding us that God Uh, does not change. Jesus, according to the author of Hebrews, is the same yesterday, uh, today, and forever. Uh, Father God is not a temperamental parent. You don't have to catch him in a good mood. God doesn't have a mother who says to her children, oh, he's just tired today. He had a long day at work. The God of the Old Testament law and historical books and poetry and major prophets and minor prophets is the same God of the Gospels and Acts and the pastoral letters in the book of Revelation. The God of the beginning is the God of the end and everything in between. Our God is unchanging. And because God's person doesn't change, God's promises do not change either. God's promises don't change. The words of human beings are oftentimes unstable little things, uh, even flimsy at times. Our intentions may be good, uh, but the unexpected can get in our way. There are times in life where we have all been guilty of over-promising and under-delivering, but it is not so uh, with God. There are are no circumstances in the world that cause our God to call an audible. 
He never utters the words, Omaha. There are no audibles with God. He never has to rethink his plan. Isaiah writes, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. All your commands are true. You established them uh, forever. All flesh is grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Uh, God still stands behind all of his promises to his kids. He does not rethink them or reconsider them. This is very good news, by the way, uh, for you and for me. Uh, Because there will be a time in life, if you have not yet experienced it, uh, where you will have nowhere else to stand other than the promises of God. Life is difficult, and it is challenging, and it is unexpected. And that is true if you are 5 or 55 or 85. I was recently talking to a friend facing a very difficult uh, situation, illness in his life, and I said, hey, what, what promises of God are you clinging to? And I was fascinated by what he said. He said, James, there are, there are promises in the future, uh, and there are promises for today. And, uh, and right now, I'm just clinging to the promises for today. And I love that. There are promises for today. There are promises uh, when you are weak that God will be your strength. Ephesians 3, chapter 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. There are promises in uh, the Bible for those who are fast-paced and anxious and have no rest, that God will give you rest for your soul. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Uh, There are promises in God's word that God will care for us in our time of need, regardless of what our need may be. Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There are promises in God's word that God will answer our prayers, that our prayers don't simply hit the ceiling, uh, that they go to the God of the universe. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Shake the halls of heaven, and you will find a listening God. God promises to be with you, uh, to never leave you, to not forsake you. That is true if you are seven and you wake up in the morning frightened because of a dream you had. Uh, It is true if you are 47 and your job is uncertain. Uh, It is true if you are 87, and your body isn't what it once was, and you are scared. The God of the universe is with you. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you uh, wherever you go. God's word is full of God's promises uh, to God's people. And God will fulfill his promises. He has and he will. He has an amazing track record. 
has an amazing track record. Joshua 21, 45 says, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Uh, God bats a thousand. Never miss one. We serve a God who does not change in the midst of an unchanging world. God's personhood doesn't change. His promises don't change. And his purpose and his plan for the world do not change. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, uh, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The psalmist writes, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. The Trinity never sits back in heaven and thinks, okay, uh, new plan. Never. No, God's plan for the world is good. God's plan for the world is good, and we've been living in it uh, since we had breath. You may be here this morning wondering, well, what is God's plan? What is God's purpose? God does have a plan, and he does have a purpose. You are not a cosmic accident. You didn't stumble your way into this world. You didn't stumble your way here this morning. And all sovereign and all knowing and all good God brought you here. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I love his plan and purpose as it's laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 8 uh, tell us of God's plan. It is the good news of the gospel. The apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Listen to the good news of the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So let's think together about the plan of God as it's communicated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And Paul tells us Jesus is the Christ. Uh, he is the Savior of the world. He is Lord. Jesus is not merely a good man or a moral teacher. He's not some guy that just lived 2,000 years ago who they wrote stories about in old, uh, dusty, leather-bound books. Uh, he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. And he came calling people to follow him. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ. What did he do? What did Jesus do? Verse 3 tells us Jesus died and was buried and raised to life on the third day. Nobody else can say that. There's just one, one of a kind. Jesus died and was buried and rose again. Why did he do that? Why would anyone do that? Jesus, text says, came to die for sins. 
A sin is anything we do against God in word, in thought, in deed. When we say things that we shouldn't say or do things that we shouldn't do that are contrary to God's law, when we think things that we shouldn't think, the Bible calls uh, that sin. We are born into sin. We don't just become sinners when we're three years old and we're fussing in the grocery store because we didn't get the cookies we wanted. Like, we, we are born. We inherit Adam's sin. Jesus came on a rescue mission uh, to save us from the penalty of our sin, to save us, to rescue us from ourselves. Our bent in life is to do life on our own terms. This is true of everyone. We want to. We long to be the captain of our own ship. We want to sit on the throne. We want to call the shots. And we go out of our way to do this. Like we make decisions that we want to make when we want to make them. We're crafty and creative. We hide. We spin. This is the human condition. In other words, we, we're a mess. We're a mess. And Jesus came in to move into our mess. He came to extend grace and he came to extend mercy. He came to treat us like we don't deserve. He came to love us with an amazing and undeserved Love. He did not invite us to earn our way uh, to him. He did not uh, come to invite us to earn his affection or to jump through spiritual hoops. Uh, Jesus came to die uh, for our sin so that we may live. How do we know this is true? How do we know that this isn't some fanciful story that someone made up? Well, the text tells us according to the scriptures. A God who does not lie uh, told us what he came to do in a book that does not lie, in accordance with Scripture. If you're still unconvinced, uh, the Bible says that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and had the brilliant idea of actu actually showing himself to hundreds of people after he was raised. Uh, Jesus appeared to Cephas, to the twelve to 500 more at the same time, to James, all of the apostles, to Paul. And so how do we respond to this story? How do we respond to God's purpose and plan for our lives? We receive. We believe. Verse 15, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. This is God's plan and purpose for the world. This is God's plan A, B, and C. There are no alternatives. God does not change, and his rescue plan has not been altered. I have a love-hate relationship with change, but God does not. Uh, the God who does not change is in the business of changing people, and I can't help but wonder if he doesn't want to change you today. God does not change. His personhood uh, does not change. He is the same yesterday and forever. God's promises do not change. He is faithful to fulfill them. And God's purpose and plan uh, does not change. He sent Jesus 
his one and only son on a rescue mission uh, to save his sons and daughters. Will uh, you trust in him today? Would you pray with me? Father God, we give you thanks uh, that in a world in constant flux, in a world uh, where we are always confronted by change, not just out there somewhere, but in us, uh, that you are unchanging. You are the unchanging God. You, you never waver. There are no takebacks uh, with you. You never have to correct your plans or, or think of a new idea or do something differently. You are perfect. And so we give you thanks this morning. God, we, we thank you that your personhood never changes. We thank you that your promises are true and sure. Uh, we thank you that your plan and your purpose uh, for the world has not been altered. It is st still true and relevant today. God, I pray for those here this morning who know and love you, that you would uh, stir an affection in our hearts for you. Would we, out of thanksgiving and gratitude, give you thanks for your unchanging ways? And God, if there are people here this morning who are far from you or don't know you, they're asking questions, they're wrestling, they, they're here this morning because someone invited them, someone asked them to come, they saw a sign, regardless of what brought, what brought them here, I pray uh, that your spirit, the spirit of the living God, would stir in their hearts a faith, a desire, and a love for you. Would you pour faith uh, into their hearts today? Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.